0: The job of the autonomic nervous system is to ensure we survive in moments of danger and thrive in times of safety. Deb Dana. This is Exploring Polyvagal Theory, a dialogue to deepen our understanding of the autonomic nervous system and how we might make safety in everyday life accessible to all. I'm Lauren Hubelay joined by my co-host and Japanese acupuncturist, Megan Lim. Megan, welcome.
1: Thank you, Lauren. It's great to be with all of you again. Thanks to everybody tuning in. And I'm happy, so happy today to be joined by uh, a dear friend of ours, a therapist and a passionate polyvagalist who can certainly help to deepen our understanding of this. And that's Cameron Scott. Hi, Cameron, and thanks for joining us again.
2: Hello, Megan, and hello, Lauren, and hello, listeners. It's really a a wonderful experience to be with all of you today.
0: Cameron, I'm getting very used to having you here with us. You're (laughs) certainly becoming part of the team. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Happily so. Great. So in the quote I shared, Deb Dana is really quite clear about this role of our autonomic nervous system. Yet, due to our lifetime of conditioning of our neuroception, we find ourselves sometimes perceiving danger when we should be thriving. Last week, we explored the concept of wandering pains in the dorsal vagal state. I learned about this from Stanley Rosenberg's book, Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve. Cameron and Megan, you both so beautifully shared the why behind this pain from polyvagal and from an Asian medicine lens. And before we move on with tools for our listeners, I'm wondering if maybe you've had some further thoughts um, now that some days have passed and you've thought you've considered this a little more deeply. Cameron, do you have anything else to add to this idea of the dorsal vagal state and pain? You know, I have thought about it because it is it is one of those things
2: that challenges all of us. One moment we're, we're thriving, and the next moment we're not even quite sure where we went, but we're quite sure it's not the same, and it doesn't feel very good. And I think about how our systems get um, toned over time through, you know well not one but many events of needing our adaptive survival responses for that imperative of survival and we can quite quickly come to a habitual response and i don't mean oh i'm just going to do that again this is a biologic habitual response that often becomes very efficient you know it takes us quickly to somewhere we we don't really want to be but it's our biology doing its job and then we have to really find the ways to support systems and recognizing that they've gone offline into a habitual survival response. And then what it takes to come back and to platform the resiliency to come back more
0: efficiently. Hmm. Hmm. Megan, what about you?
1: Yeah, Cameron, I think that's beautiful. As I was sitting with this this week, I was thinking about our nervous system And the mental image came up for me of of an orchestra and um, thinking about our ability to access safety and invite that ventral vagal energy in as the conductor of that orchestra. And I think that certainly we all know what it feels like when we're bouncing around and It doesn't feel like there's um, organization and there's nobody sort of conducting us. And that things either feel very loud and chaotic or they feel very, very quiet, but it feels extreme. And to get clear on what it feels like when um, that ventral vagal is our organizing principle, it, it feels like our interpretations and our responses Internal to our internal and external environments can be much more nuanced. And so when we're in a dorsal vagal state and we re- remember that that's a state of conservation, often um, we might be feeling um, checked out or shut down or a little foggy both in our mind, but also in our body. It it can be very unclear uh, where the pain's coming from. And also we lack that clarity on what we wanna do about it and how to advocate for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that that's something for us to explore also.
0: Megan, I think that that is so true about lacking that clarity of where where the pain is or where it's coming from. This was something I remember hearing often in my practice is I have pain, but I don't, you know, I don't know where the root of it is or, or the source of it. I just feel pain. And the the other thing that that I'm wondering with all of this, and maybe both of you can help me, is I, I'm, I'm hearing from people a, a lack of clarity of knowing whether they're in dorsal or not. Like, because we disconnect. Like, how do we know if we go in this state of disconnect, which is there to separate us, how can we become aware that we're there? Like, what, what would we look for?
2: Such a good question, Lauren, because that is actually the biologic paradox is when we've left behind, and I like our our conductor, but when we've left behind that organizing principle of ventral vagal energy, we are also leaving behind that perspective, that meaning making, you know, that even that curiosity part of our brain function, our autonomic nervous system function. So often I find we have to really depend on Moments we've practiced tracking our states Mm -hmm. so that we can recognize through cues of sensation, through posture, through breath rate, through very physical, they're like red flags. You know, when I find myself leaning over in my collapsed state and I don't even see the world around me, I go, oh, dorsal vagal. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because we can't count on that ventral vagal chewing us in. If that's dorsal vagal is the farthest point biologically from that ventral vagal organizer, our conductor. Sure, sure.
1: I think it's important to remember also that this is a practice, you know, all of this that we're describing typically is happening. This is happening innately through the nervous system below the level of our cognitive awareness. So right. the practice that we're exploring right now is about bringing what's happening below the level of cognition up into our awareness so that we can be active participants. And so just as we're learning to do anything, this is not going to be um, automatic right away after, uh, you know, even after Warren and I have been reading and practicing and, and learning from Cameron and, you know, over these the course of these months, it, it's still a practice. And the practice is once we have identified our own individual experience of the three states and how we feel about ourselves and how we feel about the world in each state. So what those lenses look like through our eyes, there's still the practice of um, how far we are down the rabbit hole before we bring that awareness to the moment and realize that our uh, state has shifted.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think this tracking states is is huge, and what it reminds me of is in in meditation practice, it's it's really not about our time on the cushion, right? That can be this way or that way, or you know, amazing or crazy mind going or making grocery lists, and then, but it's that returning to that place, right, and and coming back to. The present moment and our mindfulness that we carry with us throughout our day so i think that's an uh, something i would draw a connection with when we're talking about the importance of tracking our states when we're not in dorsal helps build that awareness so that when we are does that make sense cameron absolutely and it is
2: it's a it's a practice it's not we graduate into being a brilliant
0: state tracker overnight at all. Yeah. It is the practice for polyvagal theory, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because just knowing the states is great, but we have to do something about it. And that's where we befriend, we acknowledge, we notice a name. Yeah. These and then
2: and, and then we practice, and then we practice, and we practice with self-regulation, which is, you know, just on our own, and and how we can bring that regulation back online more fully. And we practice with co-regulation, and whether that's putting ourselves in the presence of others or animals, or actually working with a practitioner.
0: So that that might lead us right into my next question was. looking for tools for our listeners. We've we've spent some time creating awareness around this theme, but I want all of our listeners to have something they can actively be doing right now. Those who may be dealing with um, a chronic dorsal state or, or a continual loop of dropping in there and feeling this pain when they're there. I know we have some gymos that can certainly help, but I know there are other tools that we can consider. Cameron, you just started to touch on um, a couple. Do you want to elaborate on those? I think for the starters is that appreciation that often we cannot
2: have an articulate conversation with ourselves or anyone else when we are in that, you know, total system of of dorsal vagal and that conservation. It's like we've we've shut down. <laughs> so yeah what is often missing in that dorsal vagal place is the introduction of the smallest amount of energy to begin to bring it back online and lots and lots of cues of safety. So I can talk about all my clients, but let's just talk about me. When I found I was learning this in the early um, months of it, you know, I would just have this place and and then the view from the bottom of the ladder in that dorsal vagal place if we can have any thoughts it's like i'm hopeless this is helpless i'm a million miles away from remembering anything positive about anything or anyone and we start to if we've practiced beforehand recognizing that state tools often mean that gentle gentle introduction of energy when i used to recognize physically that i was in that collapsed place I had thought enough times beforehand to to being, bringing maybe the simple practice of stacking my spine, seeing if I could just sit up. I I notice it, I name it dorsal vagal and I can't make meaning about it, but maybe sitting up, maybe looking out or maybe just knowing that movement, standing up, bring me some gentle, perhaps, you know, I'll walk into another room and then, I can tell my system's coming back online like, oh, there are the breakfast dishes. A- and there are, I'm sort of gently interrupting and noticing that my system's coming back online now I have enough energy to to do something and and then just really honoring that transition until there's that enough of that ventral vagal coming back on board again before I try to bring meaning to it, before I try to consider it, because anything without that enough eventual vagal on board is going to bring a very dysregulated perspective because it, it isn't really perspective.
0: Yes, so true. <laughs> it is not perspective from that point. Megan, what are some thoughts you might have?
1: Cameron, I love that you gave um, some examples of movement because I think it's nice to touch on you know, we, we all experience safety differently through the senses. And as we've talked about before, when we're talking about movement, we're just, you know, somebody taking us and saying, hey, let's go for a run or let's go for a walk is overwhelming when we're in a state of conservation, but some gentle, even just movement in our fingers and toes or some gentle movement of the head or um, bringing some awareness to a diaphragmatic breathing is a start, But I'm a touch person, Mm. and so I respond really well, um, particularly when I'm feeling um, lower and shut down. And Cameron used a um, sentence that felt so um, exemplary of dorsal, which is when something feels far away, Mm. um, like you can't access it. So you can't access the embodiment of yourself, or you can't access the clarity to just even decide how, to advocate for yourself. Um, I love touch. And often the safest place to start with touch in dorsal is when we touch ourselves. And so I often will just place a hand right on my chest center. And um, with a soft or a little bit firmer pressure, whatever feels nurturing to you. And when I place my hand on my heart, I feel a softening, almost like we've talked about Hawthorne doing, the extract of Hawthorne doing. But it it feels like an embrace to me, like like a hug to me. It feels just like that being with energy that we're talking about that dorsal responds to. And when we talk about um, when we're in a reactive state, so either sympathetic or dorsal, how we lose our ability to have nuanced uh, responses, um, things that feel rhythmic, I think bring us back online with um, our ventral vagal state because that allows us that rhythm often uh, allows movement. Um, well, in my mind, it, it brings move, smooth movement of chi, which allows us to mobilize a little bit out of the dorsal state. So instead of forcing yourself to, uh, you know, maybe exercise when you feel like you don't have the capacity to do that, but you, you know that movement might be good. Think about things that feel rhythmic to you so I was encouraging somebody the other day in my practice not to go for the kind of walk that she normally goes for that feels mm-hmm. swift but to maybe just you know, walk around the block in a in a rhythmic slow way that just brings some attention to each step uh, whatever it is for you that feels rhythmic it might be humming a song that is um, something that you feel connected to. Sometimes it's sound, sometimes it's movement, sometimes it's touch.
0: Mm-hmm. Ladies, I'm so struck of the, with the compassion here. And this is, when I think back to different times in my life that I've spent um, more than I would care to admit in a dorsal vagal state, I don't recall talking to myself this way. I actually recall being rather harsh and saying things like, you shouldn't be like this. You should be able to get up and do this. And, 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 and like wanting to, to push something that we know couldn't be successful, right? And, and I'm sharing this with our listeners because I think that there is still this mindset out there that we can pull ourselves out of a state right or drag ourselves out of a state and that just isn't successful yeah cameron i see you shaking (laughs) your hand tell us why is it not Uh, that's
2: that's one of those greatest ironies, it's it's easy to speak about the compassion of moving up from dorsal vagal when we're not in it. <laughs> 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 Once we rearrive back with ventral vagal, that is where compassion is possible, where self-compassion is possible. You're speaking of something that's very true about the hierarchy of the autonomic nervous system, where it is biologically impossible to experience compassion while in a survival state. So there's no possibility for compassion in dorsal vagal. And there's actually no possibility for compassion, self or others in the mobilized state of survival. And what you're speaking to is actually uh, something we all were recognized is that hierarchy. If we've been in dorsal vagal and our system begins to rise up the hierarchy, we will traverse for a moment, for a minute, for a month, that sympathetic experience, because that's the hierarchy as we come back toward ventral. For many of our systems, we have not had adequate practice, adequate um, organization of safety. So actually by the time Lauren, you've come back up and, and you're chastising yourself and you're fighting with yourself, and why did you do that again? And what a pitiful creature you are anyway, You're actually your system has already started to come up the hierarchy, and you are in sympathetic, you can feel the urgency, you can feel that I've got to do something. And that's actually where the practice of recognizing those states allows us to keep going, because we need that ventral vagal enough of that ventral vagal perspective, and therefore uh, the ability to have compassion. Sadly, for many of us who have suffered for quite a bit of time, our system starts to bring us because that's where it's programmed to go back up the hierarchy. We get caught in disorganized sympathetic, mm-hmm. and then we can't make it all the way back. Yeah. We don't have that. And then we go back into that conservation mode in that suffering place down at the bottom of our ladder, down at the bottom of our autonomic nervous system response. Mm-hmm
0: so so what i'm hearing here is how important it is to have a little some tools easily accessible um like megan offering some gentle movement or touch and cameron you know stacking your spine and and um i know for me i love color and so anything i can do with color um, helps lift my mood whether it's you know even just getting my paints out or um, cutting colorful vegetables um, which is really crazy but it does make a difference it, and and I can and there's something about that that brightens things up a little bit
1: I think that it's important to touch back on, you know, Cameron talks about noticing and naming, and I know that we have to have some access to ventral in order to even do this practice. But I think that, you know, um, when we feel like we can access ourselves and we do the self inquiry of what makes us, who in our life makes us feel safe or Mm -hmm. what locations make us feel safe. Or what time makes us feel safe, and some of these will speak to you more than others. And you know, I know that Deb jokes in some of her classes that one of her colleagues said something about Wednesday that she feels best on Wednesdays. That there's no judgment about this. That um, there, each of our systems is individual, and there are probably. You know certain chairs in your home that you sit in that you, know, you gravitate towards because you feel there's something about your nervous system that resonates and feels more safe sitting in that particular part of the room or at a certain time of day. I happen to feel um, most ventral and connected in the morning versus at night. And I think when we have times where we can do a little bit of inquiry, really noting these things gives us the tools that when we can't tell what's going on with ourselves, we can go back to the map.
0: Yeah,
2: nice, nice. And hence why Deb calls the, her courses, the rhythm of regulation. Hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's what it is, a rhythm. So ladies, I I have some jimmos I'd like to share like I always do, but I don't want to jump ahead. Are are there some more things you'd like to add before we get into that, Cameron?
2: It's a journey of exploration and so much of what both of you are bringing is, it's one thing to have a a wonderful mind that knows all of these resources and these theories. And it's another thing to be well-practiced in actually being able to be with ourselves when we're not really with ourselves and in that wonderful place of
0: feeling resourced. Sure, sure. And, and I think it's important for listeners to understand that there are just times managing this on your own. It's just not going to work. And that's where you need a good therapist or a good practitioner to help hold space with you and co-regulate. So this doesn't have to be um, a journey you take on your own. We're sharing some tools that... We want you to have access to because it is your nervous system and you are befriending it. But please don't um, think we're, there are any expectations we have to go this alone. Any other thoughts from you, Megan?
1: No, I think that's beautifully said. I think, um, resourcing ourselves and reaching out for help is is a big part of self-care. Yeah.
0: yeah. So if I know, and I do know, that um, when I start moving into dorsal, I want to have um, some tools ready for myself, and I'm not going to have a lot of um, access to um, thinking about them or deciding um, what would be best, having something that's a go-to in, as a GMO extract would be very useful. And what I'm sharing here is that extract that comes in on a very basic level that will help you get that glimpse of ventral and hold it. Hold it enough that you can make some decisions for yourself that you can um, um, access some other tools. But what Jimos do so beautifully is um, work with your own energy to hold that um, movement and, and get yourself from dorsal up, upwards, up the ladder. So the ones that I am most interested that I think are a very general um, um, set of extracts that to consider, what the first would be White Willow. And I I really love white willow. And when you think of the tree and the white willow branches, and it's just like everything's too much. There's all kinds of things going on, right? We've got all these branches going. And often when we have too much on our plate or or our life is overwhelming, um, that's when we can drop into dorsal. And in that state, if you notice a, buzzing or or a wired feeling. White willow is um, such a um, beautiful extract to microdose, just one drop, helping you um, access a little ventral vagal. Megan, do you want to share anything about white willow or talk about silver lime?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think that your visual image of willow really embodies the extract so beautifully. It's got a softness and um, like a beautiful curvature to the way that the branches hang over us and and offer a a soft protection for us. And I find that white willow helps, um, you know, when we talk about some of the extracts, um, they really bring us back to baseline. So when we talk about things you know, um, being tonics and bringing us up or sort of down-regulating, it's more nuanced than that. And with White Willow, it really does, I notice that I am back to accessing some ventral um, with White Willow when I um, feel like I can turn the volume up and down um, and be an active participant again. So um, there's less of the feeling um, as Lauren said, possibly a buzzing or an activated sensation that the volume on that feels more um, gentle. It feels more smooth.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And (laughs) silver lime is another nervous system extract. Uh, White willow and silver lime are beautiful extracts that Um, address the nervous system directly. And silver lime um, is great for allowing us to access the clarity that sometimes doesn't exist in a more dorsal place. So Lauren and I have said this about blackcurrant and silver lime in the past. But we have this internal compass, so to speak, that helps us access our own clarity. And sometimes when we're in dorsal, there isn't that clarity. And uh, Silver Lime helps to hit a reset button that creates a path forward for us, a knowing.
0: I like the way you said that the path forward and I would see the same is true with Silver Lime. I I also see Silver Lime as, useful when we tend to disconnect because of our pain. And we all know what that feels like. We draw further into ourselves, And I, I think silver lime is useful in helping us stay connected with ourself enough that we can begin to move up the ladder um, and then consider connecting with others. But um, keeping that connection with self I think is very important.
1: I think particularly with you know dorsal pain, when we talk about numbness, there's often a feeling of lack of movement and lack of connection. Um, and it's good for lots of different pain in this example of dorsal. But numbness just popped into my mind because it's very mm-hmm. characteristic when we think about lack of connection.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, there are two other extracts I would also um, consider in this at this um, state where we're trying to move ourselves up the ladder and get a little access um, to some ventral vagal and that would be Hawthorne and fig and um, we've talked about both of these often in this podcast they're real favorites and um, Hawthorne, uh, we always connect this because it gives so many cues of safety for the heart. We do connect it with the heart and the heart energy with um, grief, but also just um, feeling heartbroken about where we are at at this moment in time. And um, it doesn't have to be grief about a specific thing. Sometimes um, we can just have melancholy and we don't even know where it's coming from or, or a homesickness for a home we don't know. So I see Hawthorne as um, a softening um, that allows us to move, drop our armor and feel safe enough to begin to move out of that state.
1: Yeah, I agree. As I, I referenced earlier in this discussion, you know, when I place my hand on my heart and I'm feeling that embrace of uh, my own touch, that, that is what Hawthorne feels like often to me. Um, the, the dropping of armor is a beautiful description in it. Um, the, I think, you know, when we talk about the heart, I think home is, is another beautiful description um, the feeling of being at home in ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: certainly when we're in pain, we have trouble feeling at home in our own body. Huh. Yeah,
0: and that, that feeling at home um, relates to feeling safe. I mean, we have to feel safe in our body. Uh, and The last extract I think I, I would bring up today is fig. And we love fig, particularly for the, 20, it is the 2020 extract for sure. Fig is about um, slowing down all the stimulation, all the sensory input. And when what happens, and I and I would speak from my personal experience, is it would if I'm in dorsal and I feel like I'm starting to come up and things are too loud and too much and too fast, I find myself going right back in my turtle shell, Cameron, right, right there. And um and, and it's like being a big, loud, noisy city, right? And um, so what FIG helps is it, it gives me the cues of safety that I can move up and I know things will come in um, at a pace that I can manage. And at a pace that will allow me to still feel safe and not threatened. And I love that about this extract. Uh, that's something I would wish for everyone.
1: Uh, Lauren, as you were talking, it, it created this mental image for me of, you know, if we talk about a tortoise uh, being in our shell, um, there's another image that I often have that's related to dorsal, which is kind of this, um, this a bubble that I, you know, that we create around ourselves for protection. And when we're trying to um, come back up the ladder of the autonomic nervous system, there needs to be some, we need to feel safe enough for that to become, you know, permeable and for us to start to come out of that a little. But how quickly we feel like we can open up back into ourselves or with each other or with the environment. Um, I think FIG sort of opens up that line of communication um, as we rise up out of dorsal, help, helps that transition to be at a place and a pace that um, feel doable to us.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'd like to set the expectation um, clearly for listeners. These extracts, are very baseline. They're going to help you move out of dorsal and hold hold you in an organized fashion so that you can take um, action, be an advocate for yourself. And um, they. Uh, there will be a lessening of pain, but these are not going to resolve the pain that's there. That takes some further work, but we have to first access um, um, enough um, um, and, and eventual vagal and, and mobilize enough in an organized fashion to get the kind of help that we would, we would need. And whether this is working with um, a, a therapist trained in polyvagal or in trauma or working with a gym therapist and getting a little deeper in, um, into what's causing that pain or working with an acupuncturist or a homeopath. But even to advocate for ourselves, we have to have a little access um, to connect and connect with ourselves. And that's what those four extracts, to me, um, how they would best serve you.
1: I think one of the biggest challenges when we have dropped down into dorsal is that as Cameron said, biologically it's the furthest From the ventral vagal state. And I think that's how it feels in terms of advocating and self care that we might have glimpses where we can rise out of that and think about, you know, making an appointment with our homeopath or making an appointment to get some, you know, touch therapy or whatever it is that we can access as helpful in that moment. But the reality of mobilizing enough to make the appointment and go to the appointment and actually get the care just simply isn't possible in that state. And so gemotherapy can really bridge that gap for us and help us just to get to a place where we can have the clarity and the mobilization to help ourselves. Yeah,
0: thanks. Cameron, you've been listening and nodding. Anything you'd like to add to this conversation?
2: Well, I'm having such a wonderful, rich experience listening to both of you speaking about these gemos and thinking about that dorsal vagal state. And then going back to what Megan dropped in that sort of analogy of being at working in or being part of a symphony. And there's that moment when it seems like everything's quiet. And and that, that platform of possibility of moving forward is that moment when all members of the symphony at least can look up enough to see the conductor. And then much like the gemos, the conductor can, in, in, in a very, you know, sensitive way, bring in different aspects. You know, pointing to the different, you know, whether it's the woodwinds or the strings, or and and generally bring and, and organize back on that path. And without that conductor, it, you know, some element of that platform. And, and this person actually stands on the platform and says, "Well, you know, okay, come on in." Oh. No, no, quietly. Down. Oh, okay, a little bit more. And in each section of, of what is ultimately the piece of music is is brought back with that holding, with that leadership, with that pathway forward. And so that's my experience of listening to the two of you specifically, specifically talking about how the gemos really can help, you
0: know, come into that place of more active self advocacy. Oh, beautiful, lovely, Megan. Any any thoughts as we're closing up?
1: No, it's great to be with you and talk about this. This is, I learned so much each time, and um, I think that uh, today is a perfect day to be having the conversation about safety.
0: So, I'm certain our conversations have sparked some questions among those of you who've been um, avid listeners and we'd really love to hear those questions. We'd love to hear them so we can answer them in a recording for you. So I'm going to ask you to send your questions regarding polyvagal theory and gymotherapy and how they might work together or how um, anything about the autonomic nervous system you'd like to know. And address it to my email at lauren at laurenhubelay.com with the subject line podcast questions. And I want to thank you in advance because, um, this will, uh, no doubt be helpful for many people who I'm sure share some of the same questions that you have. Ladies, um, I know that I want to just point everyone in the direction of where they can hear more about your work or read um, a little bit more about what you're doing. Megan, do you want to send them to your website?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can find out more about my practice and Gemotherapy through the Asian Medicine Lens at aculem.com.
0: And Cameron?
2: I first want to put in a plug because it's a very rich website of Deb Dana's, which is rhythmofregulation.com and welcome people to find me at cameronscottma.com.
0: Ladies, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing with our listeners your wisdom and compassion. And we wish all of you um, a beautiful week ahead. Um, a week full of safety and um, that you can find um, some tools that support you in this special time.